We are reading in Genesis chapter 6, start, I'm reading at verse 3, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And there were giants, Nephilim, in the land, earth in those days, and also after that. When the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children unto them, the same being came mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. That was yesterday. No, no, I'm sorry. That was, uh, he didn't look down yesterday. He looks down all the time, doesn't he? Yes. Could he say that of our generation? Yes. I saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I don't think we're quite to this yet, but we're heading that direction. And it repented the Lord that he had made men on the earth, Genesis 6, 6, and it grieved him in his heart, at his heart. And the Lord said, I will, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and a beast and a creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen to that. Noah found grace. So we're alive today because one man and his three sons and wives and his wife went, uh, followed God. And Lord has blessing to the reading of his word. We find that in Matthew, we just read it earlier on, but as in the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. In my thinking, as best I can understand it now, that eating and drinking were natural things. It wasn't like they were constantly being inebriated. They were simply living their lives like America is doing right now, as if nothing's ever going to change. And he isn't coming back. It's the uniformitarianism mindset that things have always been like they are now, and they were always can, and we're just going to continue on out into. They don't realize the most important thing is their spiritual self. Spiritual self. Now, Genesis, if you have a handy-dandy outline on the back of your bulletin there, if you want to follow along, we have uh, two main sections, and we learned last time they're historical and they are biographical, and chapters 1 to 11 are the historical. There's four key things, creation, the fall, the flood, and the nations. Creation, fall, flood, you may have already filled yours in. Great. The next is the biographical. Four key people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. That They encompass the entire rest of the book of Genesis. So in those eight words, we have a handy-dandy summary of the entire book of Genesis. How many chapters are there in Genesis? Fifty. Very good. I heard of fifty. That's great. Ends up with what person dying? Joseph dies at 110, 110, he dies at 110, so I just see, I know I ask you a lot of questions, I'm asked more questions of late than I have been, because I want you to be students of the word, does it, does it, frust, not frustrate, but does it pique your interest when someone asks a Bible question that you just don't know? By the way, there's nothing wrong with not knowing. I'd rather say, I, let me find an answer for that, or I'll ask the pastor, or I'll just find, I'll ask, I'll just find it for myself, and then ask the pastor if he agreed, or something like that. Rather, than, well, here's the smoke screen. What that really? I don't want the smoke screen. I want what the Bible says. I am the way, the truth. That's what Jesus is. The truth. He's not about. 
facades or hokey pokey or what's that? That's the hoc- I'm sorry, hocus pocus. That was a song one. I better turn around. I turned around, so I can't say that anymore. The hocus pocus. He's not about the sleight of hand. That was a really mature, Pastor. I know. That was really. He's not about that. He's about you knowing how to go to heaven and to live right, and you and I telling others, our children, we got to keep preaching to the children. They need to trust Christ as Savior, and we will go on from there. And that is my Mr. Lauderdale kept saying, get back on the text. Let's get back on the text. Let's go back to what we're doing. So the whole purpose of these three messages last week, this week, and next week, what is the connection between the days of Noah? Did you notice in the New Testament it is spelled just a tick different? N-O-E. Okay, there's nothing. That's okay. I mean, how many ways have they spelled Timothy? How many ways has Stephanie been spelled? So Noah, just a little bit different ways there. Noah. What, how does that work with when Christ comes back to the rule and to reign? What's the correlation? Jesus said the words, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be, to rule and to reign. I'm going to add that in there because nothing has to happen before he comes back for we, his church. I trust you're part of his church. I'm asking you. If you belong to this church, if you are a Bible believer, I've encouraged you, Bible believer, no, become part of our church. Get baptized or whatever need to become part of our church. That's not what I'm saying, though. The church is those who know Christ as Savior, regardless of the denomination. He's coming back for us. I trust you're ready. After that, the church is gone. Can you imagine how bad it's going to get when the Christians are gone? For example, this is 50 million Christians in America. I think it's being very generous. 50 million true Christians in America, and they're all gone. What's going to happen to America? Somebody's going to come in, take over, and anarchy probably will ensue, most likely. We know what happens when the the, uh, Antichrist is in control. So we find here that there's this parallel, and what the parallel is, and I'm going to give away the summary at the very beginning here, the parallel is they're just not paying attention. They're thinking, I've already said it earlier on, in the days of Noah, how many went on the ark? How many people were they on earth? Perhaps a billion People on earth, perhaps. You should read Henry Morris. People living for 900, how long did Adam live? 930 years. Approximately 50, uh, 30, uh, 33 boys and 22 girls, according to Jewish history. A lot of, lot of children. And they live for 900 years, 800 years. That's populating the earth at a rapid, and they're not dying. They're, they're not dying. So, a lot of people on the earth, but only eight. The Bible is apodictically clear, only eight were on the ark. Different places. We'll see it today. Only eight. So where was everybody else? Where was everybody else? Was he preaching? Yes. The Bible says he was a preacher. Who was listening? Uh, Seven people. We can't even say with certainty that they were choosing to go. I'm 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 just going to throw it out there. Ham, Ham's children, my goodness, Ham, wish he hadn't gotten off the, almost gotten off the ark. You think about his, the progenitor, the family that he had. So are you listening today, not so much to the pastor, please, I want you to listen. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to our hearts. And shall we go on? That was the introduction that planned on. Let's go right to our text. We are in, first of all, number one, we see that Noah lived in the days of gross apostasy. 
you can define gross however you want to define it because we know what that means. It's just not a good thing. That's a gross thing to do. We got a new bed for the cats. They all three, I know you're going to think we're crazy. They all three have their own bed right in front of the gas fireplace now. So, hissy missy. She doesn't like this bed. She grabs it with her mouth and turns it upside down. And last night, she was pulling across the floor to get it away from the fireplace. I don't know. So that's not necessarily what I'm talking about gross. That's just her, who she is. That's her intrinsic character. Do you know what the word intrinsic means? Intrinsic is just a part of who you are. I preach fast. I've tried from Berean days. I also pastored a Berean Baptist church in Peak, North Carolina, pastor here for 11 and a half years now I've tried to slow down every once in a while I think I'm going slow now actually I will slow down a little bit but I'm telling you the intrinsic part of me I like to speak fast I have a lot this I want to get said and so there we are I trust you have fast listeners fast ear listeners whatever that takes there so a time of growth now apostasy Apostasy means someone who proclaimed an allegiance to the faith, but has since that point in time, not being a true believer, have walked away from it and gotten involved in actually things that are likely contrary to the Bible. Every apostate is an unbeliever, but every unbeliever is not necessarily an apostate. Of of unbelievers, can can you imagine having never heard the gospel? Mr. Walmack talks about different times he's gone out witnessing to people over and over again. Can you imagine never having heard the gospel and responding to it? How, how, how sad that is. And yet there's billions of people who have never heard the true gospel. That's why we're here, church. That's why we're here. If God was done with you, you'd be in heaven already. God was done with A.J. Styles last week. It's not so much how much time you have on earth, but it's what you do with the time you've been given. And that was J.R.R. Tolkien said that. How true that is. It's what you do with the time you have been given. What is it? What have you done for God this past week? This coming week, what are you going to do? He lived a time of gross apostasy. We find then, how is it gross apostasy? Well, chapter 6, verse 1 a lot of people were being born, and the sons of God, verse 2, saw the daughters of men that they were fair and took them wives of all that they chose. It's interesting, every time this phrase, to talk about, I'm just going to do just a quick review. Every time this phrase occurs in the Old Testament, it refers to angels. Matter of fact, the Septuagint, the 250 BC translation of the Hebrew Old Testament into the Greek, so the Greek people of Jesus' day could read it, calls it actually the angels of God, not even the sons of God. It just says the angels of God. And so these were more than simply just Seth's line intermingling, I believe, with uh, the line of Cain. Now, you may disagree with that, and, I, and we're not going to fall out over that. I'm just trying to say what I believe and is the most logical explanation for this. But the Bible uses this term, this sons of God, for only three categories at all. Sons of God are the angels, that is Adam, and it is who from last week? Jesus, son of God, but who now? Who? We are the sons, and now we are called the sons of, isn't that amazing? Jesus is the son of God. Angels are created by God. I should have been more specific. 
there are only three direct creative acts of God that are now called the sons of God, the angels, Adam, and us as believers. By the way, I like that, sons of God. If you don't believe Christ is the son of God, you have no salvation. That's how important it is, for sure. So we find that, behold, we, we are new creatures. So this direct creation, this direct uh, creation by God, the sons of God, the angels. So we talked about last time, we just first talked about three reasons why I don't feel, and it, doesn't, it seems implausible, they're simply human line of Seth marrying the human line of Cain, and that's what it's talking about here, intermarrying of believers and unbelievers. I think it's far more than that. By the way, weren't there a lot of other people on the earth? Did not Adam and Eve have a lot more children just besides? We can't simply say it was Seth's line, and, and there's a lot of other people involved. Why weren't the, why weren't the men of Cain and the daughters of Seth involved if it's simply human beings with one another? So we also have to go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? So we are not to read into the text. We find that, that, what does the Bible say? That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives into all that they chose. Gross apostasy. They are doing things outside the parameter of what God designed them to do. Now, you can take that and run with it for today. People doing things outside the parameter of God's design, doing things immoral, uh, physically with things other people who they should not be doing things with. If you want, that's a quick correlation there. Doing things that, that was not God's design. The Hebrew Bible never then once uses the term bene Elohim to refer to humans, but always to angels. That was number one. The second reason now, new material, why likely this godly line of Seth does not refer to humans intermarrying with other human beings, but the marriage between two groups produced a race of giants. Where did you see that, Pastor? Verse 4. And there were giants in the earth in those days, Nephilim, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men. Now, when that says came in unto the daughters or to a woman, that always means there was a relationship. And oftentimes there was a person uh, born as a result of a relationship, but it was a physical, intimate relationship. And they bare children to the, them, and the same became mighty men, which were of old men of redound. So there were giants. The word Nephilim has been used even post-flood. Now, if I say to you, what happened in the antediluvian world? Antediluvian world. What does that mean? Well, anti before, diluvian deluge or flood. So, before the flood, what was going on? Antediluvian. So, when you hear that word, Janters and Genesis will use it. I am sure creation and institute will use it. I'm sure. So, before the flood, there were these giants in the land in those days, Nephilim. Now, those who argue, turn with me, please, to Matthew 22, and we will see those who want to say, well, now, this really was, this really was just two human lines interacting with one another. Look at Matthew 22. Was Matthew one of the 12 disciples? Yes. That would be a yes. Was he very well revered by the other Jewish people that he lived with and worked with? No. What was he? He was a collector of... Yeah, he was Matthew I.R.S. Levi. That was his name. Sorry. I trust you are listening and turning at the same time, or ignoring and turning, perhaps. 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, Now here's the question. Here's the question. This woman's been married to seven men. 
whose wife will she be in heaven after the resurrection? Now, what was the problem? First of all, Sadducees don't even believe in the resurrection. So this was a T-R-I-C-K question. Have you been asked trick questions before? Oh, yeah. Have you ever asked your parents trick? You don't have to answer that. Ask your parents trick questions, yes. Have you ever played your mom and dad off against the other? Yes. Or you did that, or your brother did it. I can say my brother, I did that sometimes, I must confess. By the way, my brother's going, he's on a cruise, leaving today from Miami on a cruise for a week. And so, uh, anyway, he's, uh, he's enjoying the warmer weather. Jesus answered and said to them, verse 29, Matthew 22, Ye do err. Not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Can we just pause for a moment? Is that not a problem today? You do err not knowing the scriptures. You want to know why there's so many Christians involved in things that have nothing to do with the Bible or they can't answer basic questions because they just don't know. They just don't know about. You ask me, how do you set up a sewing machine? And so I have no idea about that. So I, I don't want to necessarily know either, but I just don't have... Any idea? I can't answer questions about, I think, singers in the name of a sewing so- singer name of a sewing machine has a little thing on there, and it used to have pedals. I know more than I thought. It has a needle that you keep your fingers away from. I know those things. But you just don't know the Bible. You wonder what people confused about. Can I just say in a, a little, we will not ever have wings. I know people want to say that they put their things, we just never get those. We won't need them. I think we'll travel by thought. 30, for in the resurrection, they, Christians, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Now, I've struggled with that sometimes. But when you come, and I'm, doing, I'm not doing this stupid poll, don't worry. Uh, but when you come to heaven, our love for each other will be even greater than I think the love that we possibly had here on earth. And if a person, a Christian person has three or four, you know, whatever, three or four different spouses have died, then really who, see, so we, God has it under, the things we struggle with is because we have this little puny pea brain mind compared to the infinite creator who knows all things. Let us just bow before him and say, Lord, you know what is best. So love we're going to have in heaven is going to be wonderful. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. So, pastor, that means then the angels can never have anything to do with siring offspring, not with other angels. You are correct. They are created by God, and they uh, do not procreate among angels. There's a limited number of angels when God created them. There's a certain number. A third of them fell with Satan. Uh, Two-thirds of them are still holy, doing God's will and word. But... That does not say they could not enter into a person, control the person, the man and the woman, and sired offspring that could become a giant in the land. It doesn't say that at all. It just says, in heaven we will not marry or give in marriage, and the angels are not marrying in heaven are not married and giving marriage either. This term Nephilim has become like, I think I mentioned last time, sort of like the term Armageddon. Armageddon is a buzzword for any kind of end of the world happening. It's almost like Armageddon out there and so and Ching Jum Un is going to punch that button. And there's the doomsday clock. We're only, I think we're like, what, one minute till midnight now on the doomsday clock or three minutes till Armageddon happens in the end of the world. I've read the book. There is an end of the world as it is now. And God's going to do all that going to be a big fiery time but we have been saved from the wrath to come praise the lord 
So for the, as we're reading the resurrection, they're neither marrying nor giving in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But isn't it interesting that an angels can assume bodily form? Where'd you get that? Genesis chapter 18, please. Genesis 18, if you turn back over here, dialing fingers ready, Genesis 18. Pum, pum, pum. How is it that Moses in 1400 B.C. was able to write something that happened in 4000 B.C.? How did that happen that Moses, living 2600 years after the creation, was able to write about the creation in Genesis? How did that happen? G-O-D, God. And also, there's like 9 to 11 different books. These are the generations of, that's books, the, the Noah, uh, Seth's book. Adam's book, all these, they kept books and they wrote it down. And God superintended Moses to write all these things. And in chapter 18, verse number two, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, now if I have found favor in thy sight. So there's three. One of them is the Theophany, I believe, Christophany, Christ himself. And who are the two others? Hmm. Chapter 19, I believe, verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. Could Lot see from his vantage point the city of Sodom in some capacity? The answer is yes. Matter of fact, he got God down to the fact. If you'll just, if there's just ten righteous, will you save the city? What God said, yes. Now think with me. Lot, Lot's wife. There are two daughters that were married. There are two sons-in-laws, and there are two daughters. If it just had Lot had just about won just his his, his family, that would almost made ten up right there. Not even ten. So these angels go. And what happens to the? Now I have a point here. This is a very difficult passage and a very difficult thing. But look what it says in verse five. And they called unto Lot. These are the men who surrounded the house. Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out to us, unto us, that we may know them. So these men who saw the angels who have manifest themselves as men thought that they could have a personal, very wrong, want to have a personally very wrong, it's, it's toeva, abomination, that man wanted to have a relationship with these men, so they thought they they thought that these angels who had appeared like men could somehow have a relationship with them. Sometimes the angels were pretty much pretty much looking like a man when they appeared as men. They thought so. The men of Sodom. Oh wait, that was wrong. Still is. Always will be. No, too, the angels in Genesis, uh, in the Bible, the angels are even greater in power. I'm turning to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Greater in power and might. How did this 2,000-pound stone in front of a tomb at the end of the Gospels, get moved away. It was by the angel. Angel. And by the way, they moved the stone not to let him out, to let us in. That's the reason the stone was moved. He was, he was, he was already gone. And aren't you glad? Up from the grave, he arose. 
with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever for the saints to reign. He arose. We should sing that almost every Sunday. That should, we shouldn't have to, I should, the pastor, whoever picks the songs up, pastor, should, we should sing that more often. Isn't that exciting? Up from the grave he arose, and that's why we have a church, because we have a risen Lord and Savior. If you're counting Spurs lines, you've probably got about 20 about right now from the message. The third reason we know that the sons of God, I believe, it's implausible for them to be simply to the line of Seth with the line of Cain, human beings only, is the Bible gives us commentary. Now remember, the greatest commentary on the Bible is the, the Bible. Correct. Correct answer. The greatest commentary. As you're turning to Jude, please. Jude chapter 7, verse 6. Jude chapter 7, Verse 6. I'm sorry. That's immature as well. Jude chapter 1, verse 6, please. A commentary. Now, we'll talk about this on Sunday nights. We just started an exciting, longer than four, I have to say, longer than four message series on Jude. And so that'll be tonight. Please come back out tonight at 6 o'clock for that. And come out Wednesday night as well as we look in the, the book of Amos still. Jude 6. And the angels, shall we read verse 5? We shall. Now, let's go back even further. Because Jude 1, 2, 3, 4 is the false teachers, and Jude chapter 5, Jude, Jude verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. As an example, and the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, estate, domain, habitation where they lived, he hath reserved in everlasting change unto darkness until the judgment of the great day. Even further on is Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them. Remember, there were five cities in the plain. Four of them got toasted. One Zoar lasted a while longer. Not sure exactly how long. Actually, there's a Zor up in Ohio by the Amish country. But anyway, four of them got it. And the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. You want to know who these people were. There's been talk about Satan, and, we, and earlier on in Scripture, this is the one time the Bible refers over to this, the, the angels, etc. They are reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. This is the people. What is the time frame? What is the time frame? Look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Peter and Jude have a, Jude have a lot of, of commonality. 2 Peter 2, 4. The, again, it's the false teachers, false prophets, verse 1. 2 Peter 2, 1, also among the people, even as there be false teachers among you, etc. All these different things. It talks about the false teachers. And their damnation slumbereth not. For if God... Now, here's just, if they're going to get, listen, if God punished the people coming up, these false teachers are going to get their comeuppance. I'm just telling you, if he does, if you just put your thinking cap on people, remember, if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, that's the only word Tartarus, Tartaro is used, the Greek, uh, translated to hell. It's the lowest, it's the bottomless, bottomless part of the hell, if you would. And delivered them into change of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. That was expedition, exhibit number one. Two. And spare not the old world, but save Noah, the eighth preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. 
And six, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them with an overflow, making an example unto those that should after live unto ungodly. And delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for this righteous man dwelleth among them. And seeing, aren't you glad for this verse? I think it's the only verse he's called righteous. Otherwise, I would say a lot's an apostate. But here it says, by the way, if you think you've outgrown the Bible, woe is us. Woe be me. The Bible is always right. Always right. And I, if I disagree with the Bible, the onus is on me not to reinterpret the Bible for my predilections. Or that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And you're going to tell me that that is okay for a man to be married to a man, a man having a relationship with a man is okay, it's just as viable as a man with a woman? Baloney on that. The Bible is clear. The Lord knoweth then how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Praise the Lord. And to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. So you want to know if it's going to happen, I'm telling you, look back at the angels that sinned during the time of whom? Noah. It's clear. Jude 7. Verse, just turn back over a couple pages, Jude 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities about them in like manner. Shall I read that again? We shall. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and Zeboim or something like that and uh, Bela, whatever, the four, two other cities. And it stays about them in like manner. In like, man- in like manner of what? The same manner as these angels described in verse 6 of Jude. In other words, there's a parallel between the sin of Sodom and the sin of the angels who left their proper estate. Who left their proper domain. The men of Sodom were leaving the proper domain as a man and woman together siring kids and going after man after man. I tell you, I, I, I can't understand that, but when your heart gets turned, just read Romans chapter 1. Your heart gets turned. It's what you think on. I am telling you, what you dwell your mind on is going to make you who you are. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's Bible. That's not Pastor Tim. And it applies to Pastor Tim probably more than you. Because I am responsible to be a spiritual leader. The same guy that did the hokey pokey and turned himself around. I am supposed to be a spiritual leader. So it's me. You want to know who needs the most prayer in this church? I can tell you. It's me. It's me. I need it. I need it. I do. In like manner. So, in like manner that the men of Sodom and Gomorrah were acting contrary to the designs of God, what God had designed, so these angels, as you turn into 1 Peter 3, these angels did the very same thing. They turned aside from what God had. They've already fallen from heaven, if you would, been cast out of heaven to some degree. They followed Satan. That would be Revelation chapter 12. You want to follow where that is. They follow Satan, and they are called the demons of today. They're called the fallen angels. They're called the evil spirits. They're, they're the ones who cause the problems today in the world. So they had followed the wrong thing. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the angels did what was forbidden. They cohabitated in some way. Now, either I'm telling I find very few uh, commentators that says there was 
The result was half human, half God, called demigod. I don't believe, well, I think, honestly, personally, think that would be the worst end. What I personally feel is that they inhabit human, the man and the woman, they were spiritually controlled by demonic forces, and the result was through that, the giants in land. That's my, pers- that's my personal feeling so, so far. It says in 3.18 before close, I know what time it is. I see the clock back there. 3.18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. I tell you, you could park on that verse for a long time, couldn't you? Christ's death is substitutionary. It's not a martyrdom. Do you understand that? The difference between a martyrdom and the substitutionary death of Christ on the cross. He died in my place. The martyrdom simply, the martyr simply dies. They strap their bombs around them and, and, and they go and they blow themselves up to try to kill more Jews or whomever. And then, uh, and then Hamas or uh, 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 Hezbollah gives their, you know they give their family right money. You know that, right? If they do that, they give their family money to, if their child has done that. Okay, just so you know that. That's martyrdom. Substitutionary death is Christ on the cross for us. And then by which he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Verse 19. Which sometime were disobedient. Well, what's the context, Pastor? I've heard you say over and over a context, a text without a context is a pretext for a proof text. So what's the context here? I'm glad you asked before we pray. We're going to get right to the context here. Which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein that is eight souls were saved by water, not baptismal water regenerated, no, saved, actual delivered by the ark to land on the land later on, a year later on the road. That's, that's what it means, saved. These are the angels. It says, Christ went down and preached to them. I gotta stop. Christ went down to, he, he descended, the Apostles' Creed says that he descended into hell. There are the health, wealth, prosperity fault, uh, teachers that just teach this erroneously. But somehow when Christ went to hell, he was suffering in hell for us. That's not Bible. Do you remember what he said on the cross before he committed his soul to his father? Tetelestai, it is finished. It's finished. The suffering was done. The separation from the Father was going to be over. And he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He gave it up. Yes, thank you, Jesus. He gave it up for you. And he gave it up for me. He went to hell. Victory in Jesus. See, these angels may not have known that he up from the grave he's going to raise. Victory is in Christ. So just to let you know down there in hell, Tartarus, just to let you know, I'm going to be raised from the dead. And that's what he went and What did the Bible say? He preached, not suffered for your sin in hell. He suffered for your sin at Calvary. Have you received him? Let's pray. Lord, your word is just so amazing. Lord, you are amazing. We thank you. I will say thank you for all of us as Christians. We thank you 
for die on the cross, taking our punishment right there, substituting your life for ours, that we might have everlasting life. And Lord, these are the sins that we coddle. The sins that put you on Calvary sometimes are the very sins that we just let slide by. Oh, this makes me feel good, or I want a little bit of enjoyment in life. The enjoyment, Lord, is when we come to rest in you, and when we grow to be more like you, and you give us the peace that passes understanding. Lord, you know the world is looking for peace and cannot find it. It is you who is the Prince of Peace. So Lord, if there are those this morning who are floundering, who are wandering, who are neglecting, who are ignoring, who are just staying away from doing what you have. Convict our hearts. Convict us mightily. And may we change. Perhaps someone needs to be saved. Perhaps someone needs to be baptized. Perhaps someone has been saved and baptized by immersion will become part of our church fellowship. They know what we believe here. And they're walking with you and they want to become, that's open as well. But Lord, help us to examine our own hearts and lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.